here in Glendale today. Uh, for those who don't know, my name is Jacob R. John, and me and my beautiful wife, Tiffany, which yeah, helped lead the college ministry uh, here in Lifeway, and so it's great to be here. Uh, we don't do that, do this too much. Actually, just me and my wife here, the college ministry is over there in San Gabriel, and so it's kind of just us two with you guys, so I, I feel a part of the family today. This is, this is nice. And so, um, just good news from the campus ministry. I'm going to start off there. Uh, we've been doing pretty solid this semester. It's been an encouraging year so far, and uh, um, this coming weekend, we have our big Southwest Fall Retreat, and so about like 800 students are going to be there, and we're looking to bring a lot of visitors there, and so it's going to be a lot of fun. And actually, my wife's going to be the main keynote speaker for the woman in that retreat, and so uh, we'll clap it up for that. That's pretty awesome. Pray for her. And, uh, and so I think we've been doing pretty well this semester as far as um, our engagement, and uh, every, every semester we actually we go through a theme for the year. And so um, the theme for this semester we chose to go through underdog. And so that's kind of the theme for the year. Sorry, one second. Turn my clicker on. There you go. Awesome. So that's our theme for this semester. And so we've been going through different heroes in the Bible, um, like Abraham, like Jacob, like Joseph, Joshua, Gideon. But really, the, the big dog is David and Goliath. That, that's, that's the big underdog uh, story in the Bible. Actually, many people could never read the Bible at all, but just watch a lot of sports and still know the story of David and Goliath. And so, to, again, we don't speak, I don't get to speak too much to this group, so we're going to ignore the other characters and just go through the big one, David and Goliath today, all right? And so, um, I was doing some Googling, and it was impressive how much David and Goliath there is out there on the internet. Here's a couple of pictures here and there, so some are somewhat realistic, um, others, maybe not so much. That one's probably a little disproportionate. Uh, and so <laughs> that one came up too. And so it, it's, a, it's a big thing. And so before we even talk about David and Goliath, though, um, I want to give you guys a definition of what it means to be an underdog. The dictionary definition, it's, it means a competitor thought to have little chance of winning a fight or a contest. And that is David and Goliath. As you can see from the pictures, uh, he's a small shepherd boy who defeats a ginormous giant with nothing but a sling. And we all love that story, and apparently so does many artists and painters and even filmmakers too. So I also searched up David and Goliath on YouTube, and I saw so much content. It was overwhelming how many different Videos they were from low budget to high budget to animated to live action to TV to movie. And so I actually saw a YouTube clip where someone compiled a bunch of different videos together to make like a co cohesive video of David and Goliath. So I'm going to show that to you guys today. Just so you guys get a picture of that. cool. So as you can see, they use a lot of different content. I think over 10 films, and they even missed out on this one. They didn't get VeggieTales. You know, they missed out on Dave and the Giant Pickle. 
You know, and so there's just so much content on David and Goliath. So we obviously really, really love this story. It's obvious. I asked my, um, my campus ministry group, why? Why do we love David and Goliath? Well, um, they kind of said a couple different things. But it all kind of came down to two main things. The main thing they said was, one, we love this story because we get inspired by it. It makes us believe that we can maybe do the impossible. And we also just love it because it seems like an impossibly epic story that a boy can defeat a giant. And so, one, it's inspiring, but two, it just is a really, really cool, cool story. And so the movies and TVs and paintings, they're cool, but it's actually even cooler when you actually read the Bible. And so let's go, let's go there, 1 Samuel 17. So we're going to start off with just the Bible's description of Goliath. Really, Just how big is this giant, really? Well, let's read here in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start in verse 4. So it reads, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So the Bible uses a lot of historical measurements that we don't use anymore, so my description didn't sound all that intimidating at first glance. Because what's a cubit? What's a, what's a span? Those things don't mean much to us now. But thankfully, we have awesome Bible scholars who tell us what, what it means. And so many of us have footnotes in our Bible. So if you look at verse 4, the footnote for his height, what does six cubits in a span mean? It means nine, nine feet and nine inches. That is large. That's a big guy. Nine feet and nine inches? I'm six feet tall. I, I'm like a little tall, but that's, that's huge. That is ginormous. Let's read on and see what happens next in this story. So verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So here's the deal. Goliath comes out and challenges the whole army of Israel. Hey, give me a guy. Give me one guy, we'll battle it out, and the winner takes all, which is high stakes. And so it says the army is terrified and dismayed. And this goes on for 40 days. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward. Every morning and every evening, he took his stand and made the same proclamation. And not only was the Israelite army terrified and dismayed, they also couldn't even stand to be close to the guy. Because verse 24 embarrassingly says that whenever they saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. <laughs> this goes on for 40 days. Goliath comes out, makes his proclamation, makes his challenge, and they all just flee. Not a bright moment in God's people. And this is the situation that David finds himself as he walks on in. And so David comes on in, sees the situation, and he's like, okay, let me talk to the king. And let's read uh, King Saul's encounter with him. So 
David said to Saul in verse 32, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Some might think that Saul is being a little mean to David, but honestly, based on the information we know, Saul is not being mean enough. Because David should not be within a mile of this guy. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. David is still a teen. He's maybe a mid-five-footer. Let's say he's five foot nine. Let's just say he might be shorter, but let's just say he's five foot nine. That means he's a whole four feet smaller than Goliath. I know sometimes numbers is kind of hard to picture in your head, so I'll help kind of um, give you a visual here. This is um, my wife and I, a picture of us, 4th of July. And um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm about six feet tall. My wife is about five foot two, so a little uh, um, below average for um, an American woman. And uh, she, the <laughs> shoe is five foot four. Um, and so you see there, there's a height difference. It's a little less than a foot. And an obvious weight difference, I'm, I'm much bigger than my wife. Um, and so if things got a little chaotic at home in the Ardron household, and we were about to throw down, I think that I would probably be a safe bet to win that fight, right? Probably. But my wife is pretty tough. I also have a bad knee, which, but I would probably win that fight, right? <laughs> probably so. And that's with a one-foot difference. A four-foot difference means I'm fighting a two-footer. You know who's two feet? The average one-year-old is two feet tall. So this is my wife as a little baby. And so, um, so for the f- first picture on your left, Tiffany's actually the baby baby. The, the, the older toddler is her older sister. And so she's probably maybe about one in that first picture. Second picture, maybe more around two. That's what two feet tall looks like. And so you compare that to next to six foot me, that's... Those are the odds that David is having with Goliath. Just like baby Tiffany has no chance against six-foot-old adult Jake. <laughs> to five-foot-nine, David has no chance against nine-foot-nine Goliath. So you guys see why Saul's like, nah, <laughs> I'm going to pass, David. You, you're, you're good. We, we're not going to let you fight here. That would be suicide. Because that is the level of difference that David is... Uh, coming up with. And so you see all this, and it's so clear that David is the obvious underdog, and that's why we think of him when we think of underdog. It's so clear. Or is it? Because I don't know, I, I read this narrative and what happens next, and it doesn't seem that way anymore. So go, let's go to verse 34. So David gives his defense to Saul, and this is what he says. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Whoa, okay, what just happened here? So David pulls out his resume. He's like, hey, king, I, I know I might be short compared to this guy, but, you know, I got lion and bear slaying on my resume. That's who you're talking to right now. And so this changes the story a little bit. And he doesn't say he kills it with a rifle. There's no such thing back then, not with a sword, 
but with his bare hands? Oh my goodness, it says that he, in verse 35, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So he took a lion by its mane or a bear by its coat and said, come here, and he just beat it to death? Like, really? That's insane. This is true. Then David's not the underdog here. You know, David's coming out looking like, looking like a boss. <laughs> you know? So I, I know Goliath's a big man, but still, a big man versus lion and bear, I think that lion and bear seem much more challenging than big man, right? So if David can wrestle a lion and bear to death, it seems like Goliath should be an easy target. So now I'm thinking, okay, maybe David's not the underdog. But then we all know the story. David doesn't choose to rip Goliath apart with his bare hands. He chooses a sling and some stones. That seems inferior to Goliath's mighty sword and javelin. So it's like, okay, so I'm confused again. So who really is the underdog here? So I was confused until this book came out. Um, for those of you who have never read this book, this is a, a book by Malcolm Gladwell, and he um, has written many books o- over uh, the years. Uh, his first one, I believe, was Tipping Points. Um, my dad and I love Outliers. So go check out his books. They're really uh, insightful. But his last book was David and Goliath. And the whole concept of this book was, are underdogs really underdogs? And it begins with the story of David and Goliath. And so I apologize, apologize in advance if you guys have not heard his research this might destroy your image of David and Goliath forever. So, but it'll be good. We'll, we'll get to a closing point at the end, okay? So I don't have time to go into all the things he researches and says. Um, he has a TED Talk, so if you guys don't want to look at the book, watch the TED Talk. TED Talk is great. I'm just going to talk about kind of two of his main points. The first one was on David and his sling. I have always grown up thinking this sling was kind of a, a wimpy weapon. But he talked about how it was not. It wasn't one of these. It was one of these things like you whip around, um, and apparently can go pretty fast. He talked about how fast the slingshot can go and how fast, um, how heavy the rocks were and dense at that time. And he used a, bu- a bunch of masks that I didn't understand. But basically ended by saying, so the power impact from a sling at this time would have been almost equivalent to a modern-day handgun. I was like, oh, wow, okay. That's, that changes the story a little bit. Okay. And then he talks about Goliath. His Goliath also isn't as mighty as he seems. And this one, he kind of lost me a little bit here, but basically he said that most modern-day giants have a sword disorder that makes them either nearsighted or have double vision. And so he's like, there's a possibility that Goliath might also be partly blind. So I'm like, wow, okay. This is getting really interesting here. And so you could choose whether or not you want to believe in all this, but... um. I think the fact is, even biblically here, when we read Goliath's measurements of his armor, he was, he was wearing about 120 pounds of armor. So even if he didn't have bad vision, he's at the very least a very large and slow target. And other research he showed on the, sling, on the slings back then is that modern day, um, not modern day, historical slingers at this time actually have pretty good precision and that they could even hit birds out of the air and hit a target up to 200 yards away. That's two football fields. So you put all this together, man, David does not seem like the underdog anymore. I showed this TED Talk to the campus ministry, and, and uh, I was like, what do you guys think? And one guy raised his hand. 
She said, I don't know about this David guy anymore. This fight seems rigged. <laughs> and so they all, they all laughed. And it's, it could be kind of true. It can be true. This fight could seem rigged. Because now it's kind of seeming that David is no longer the underdog. Goliath is. So now that I possibly have just wrecked everything you knew about David and Goliath, um, where do we go from there? How do we move forward? Is this story still even inspiring? <laughs> because, again, the fight could kind of seem like it was a no-brainer who would win. Um, this may be true. The fight might be rigged in David's favor, but it doesn't change the fact that for 40 days and 40 nights, no one did anything about it. David wasn't, he didn't invent the sling. <laughs> He was probably not the only slinger in that army. But all those guys still ran away and fled when Goliath came about. So it's still inspiring because David was the only guy to do something about it. He said, hey, no, I, I can take this guy. Let me step up to the plate. I'm going to do something about this situation. So it's still an inspiring story. Because in fact, now knowing what we know, the story can become even more inspiring because it shows us that oftentimes we make the Goliaths in our life bigger than they actually are. When in reality, through God, they can easily be beaten. And we all have different Goliaths in our lives. I know I have several. From school to work to relationships to even staying faithful to God can be a Goliath. And it's so easy for our mind to play tricks on us and really allow those fears to heighten our Goliaths and snuff out our faith. But more often than not, it is totally within our ability to defeat these Goliaths. We just need faith. I want to um, give you guys kind of two phrases to take home from today's lesson. And the first one is, is simply this. Fear feeds our Goliaths, but faith defeats them. Our fears feed and they make our Goliaths grow larger and larger. But when we have faith, we defeat them. The entire Israelite army allowed Goliath to become this unstoppable beast when in reality, he was a sitting duck. And it's so easy for us to make the challenges that come our way to be bigger and greater than they actually are and just allow it to paralyze us. Um, and I have so many examples in my life when I've let my fear just become this huge challenge I can't overcome. I'll share one briefly. So many of you know that I played football in college at, at Columbia, and uh, I came on in as a, uh, a young, spirited Christian, and immediately, I was like, wow, college football is different than high school football. These guys are huge, and all the coaches are so mean. They were not the people they were when they recruited me. They were all so nice. Oh, you should come to Columbia. And then they got here, and they're just screaming in my face, like, wow, okay. And the most intimidating, scary guy was the head coach. He was about 6'5", over 300 pounds. He was an ex-NFL lineman and an ex-NFL lineman coach. And he cursed all the time. It was even physically aggressive sometimes with the players, which led to him getting fired later on. So he was a scary guy. <laughs> and I came on in, and we had kind of the two-day program, and the first beginning of the summer was pretty hard. But then I got the regular season schedule, and I saw that, oh, man, the team's doing stuff on Sundays. And I knew I was already going to miss some Friday night's campus events because of the game stuff. So... Wednesdays I can make, but I definitely, I, in my mind, I can't miss Sundays for a whole semester. I'm just coming in as, as a baby Christian in, you know, this new uh, environment in New York City from California. I can't miss Sundays. And so I knew that, but then it's like, man, I, I got to talk to you, big scary coach over there. And so I pray about it. I try to get the faith. 
I go up to talk to him, and he kind of just shoes me away. He says, just send me an email. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'll send you an email. And so prayed about it some more, and this is the email I sent him. I took a screenshot there. Um, I'll read it for you because it's a little far away. It says, Coach, I wanted to remind you of a conversation that we had earlier this week, that I have church on Sunday at 11 a.m. I definitely don't want to miss this, as church has given me great character and work ethic, and has made me the man that I am today. So I'd like to ask you for permission to let me go to my church every Sunday. I realize that defense lifts, weight lifts, from 1230 to 2 o'clock on Sundays, and that I would have missed that since the earliest I can get back to school would be 130. I am more than willing to make up that lift any other time, as the team is still a major priority of mine. Thank you, sincerely, Jacob Bardron. And I'll zoom into the response and let you guys read it. This is what he says. Jacob, church comes first. We were going to make up time. I was like, really? Church comes first? <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> That's good to hear. And guys, to this day, this has been like probably one of the most, if not most, in, the most encouraging email I've ever received. And I'm so glad that in that moment, I chose not to be full of fear, and I chose to be full of faith. And in the same way, David could have chosen to be afraid like everyone else, but he chose to be faithful. And not just a little faithful, actually, he was incredibly faithful. I want to pick back up and read kind of their encounter before they fought, because David calls the win. He calls his shot, like, I'm going to beat you right now, and it's pretty cool. So 1 Samuel 17, starting verse 42. This is Goliath. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He, he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, so he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Whoa. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it was not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. How amazing is that? David had absolute faith that he was going to defeat Goliath. So how do we get this absolute faith? I know I said that, you know, fear, you know, feeds your Goliath, but faith overcomes them. But how do we get that faith? How did David have this faith? Well, I believe part of the reason why David was so faithful was probably because he already saw God do amazing things. He already beat the lion and the bear. So what's this Philistine? He'll probably be just a walk in the park. You know, throughout this entire scene, David could have had moments of fear, but he probably could tell himself, David, you're cool, man, you're fine. Lion and bear, this guy is no big deal. So the second phrase I want to leave you guys with today is, is this. Remembering our past victories reignites our faith. That's why I believe David was so faithful and so confident. If you didn't have that lion and bear experience, probably would have never raised his hand. But he did. And he remembered it. And this is so true. I know this is true in my life as well. Going back to the whole football story, after that time, it's like, okay, 
Church comes first. So I was more confident in asking my coach for more things throughout the season, throughout the years, because God already gave me that first great victory. And when you remember those victories, you get more confident and more faithful. Okay, God's got my back. This is true for the spiritual stuff and the non-spiritual stuff. You know, for the non-spiritual stuff, um, at one time I was very afraid of asking this girl I like out on a date. Her name was Tiffany. And I was, I, was, I was freaked out. I was like, man, I don't know what to say. And all these different things, were, all these doubts were flowing through my head. And, but when she said yes the first time, it got easier and easier and easier. And now I have pretty much no fear in asking my wife out on a date. As long as we're doing okay and she, she likes me and we're on a good page. So yesterday I'm proud to say it was a good day in the Ardron household. And so I asked my wife to go on a date and she said yes. And it was a great time. Once had dinner and a movie, and it was a, it was a delightful time with my beautiful wife. So it's true for the non-spiritual. It's also true for the spiritual Goliath as well, guys. I know for me, a huge Goliath I had to overcome was getting to habitually practice the discipline of confessing my sins. That was really hard for me. I'm naturally very self-righteous and very prideful. I don't like looking back, especially spiritually. And had all these fears and insecurities. Oh my gosh, if I let this stuff out, I'm going to get kicked out of the church. All, all these dramatic things that go on, go on in my head. But once I got faithful and chose to make a move, those brothers were responding, well, I'm still in the church. Amen. And uh, things, they loved me, they helped me out. And now, because of that victory through God, it's become so much easier for me to confess my sin going forward. Because I remember how it was back then. If I can do it then through God, I can do it now. And church, we all have so many victories. The, the problem isn't lack of victories. I think the problem is how we view our past victories. Is we can sadly belittle them. We can say that, oh, that was then, this was now. Things have changed. This is different than before. Instead of simply giving thanks to God for how he has led you this far, and believing that he's still in your corner and wants to help you win your next battle. David did not belittle his victories. He, he believed it meant something to his current Goliath. I want to close by going back to verse 37. This is my favorite part of probably this whole story. When he's talking to Saul, he says, The Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, who rescued me from the hand of the Philistine as well. God's done it before, he's going to do it again. And so if you feel like right now you have some looming Goliaths right in front of you and your faith is shaking a little bit and you don't feel like you can beat them, I want to encourage you to go back to your victories and don't downplay them. Believe that was God working in your life and doing amazing things through you. And if you don't have a couple of them on your head, I encourage you to take some time over this week and the next week to write some stuff down and choose five. Say five because five's not too big, not too little. David also picked up five stones from the ground, so it's good to have, you know, five stones to keep you faithful through the looming challenges that's come your way. So to close, fear feeds our Goliaths. Faith defeats them. How do we have big faith? Remembering past victories will reignite your faith. We are not the underdogs, guys. We are the victors. God has been with us. He wants to continue to work through us. Let's believe in him that we can do all things through him. I'm going to pray and you guys are dismissed. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for this time to come together to worship in Glendale. It's great to be here. And God, thank you for just inspiring stories in the Bible like David and Goliath. 
and how even at first glance it's inspiring, but even when you go deeper into the story, it can be more inspiring, God. And I pray that we can all take this time this week to really reflect on how much you've already done in our lives, how many victories you have helped um, bring us through, and how much you have worked in um, our past, present, and going to be the future. Help us to have great faith and not let fears increase the size and strength of our lives, but believe that through you we can overcome them. Love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.